Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean, and I'm joined by my compatriot from the USA, Luke. Luke, not feeling so great this week, but you've decided to step into the breaches to cover for Johnston again, who's due back very shortly for the next Big Fight preview. By the way, everybody who's listening, he is back for Fury Chisora. But Luke, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the last three, nearly four weeks in a row, being able to cover all of these different events that have been going on and some of the fights that have been going on and this past weekend what we're covering in this reaction show has certainly brought some entertainment certainly answered a lot of questions about certain fighters in in my mind and I suppose I'm gonna be polite and hand this over to you and say like where do you want to start like what's the most pressing thing to come out of the weekend just gone for you uh, Dillian White isn't really that good, and Regis Pro Gray is really good. Those are my two thoughts. So, Dillian White, then let's start with him. Let's start with that lackluster performance, which is uh, for me what it was. It was it's pretty lackluster, and uh, I thought that Jermaine Franklin, to me, I think did did a pretty good job of being a smaller guy and making the fact that he was a smaller guy work for him, and it made me feel like if there was more punching power in them punches that he were landing, that maybe he could have got rid of Dillian White throughout the course of that fight. I mean, he looked like he was hurt himself on a couple of occasions. Dillian White's a pretty huge puncher as well, to be fair, give him his credit. But I think on another day, he would have been given that decision. I felt like Dillian White got away with a decision in this fight, which isn't really fair because Franklin fighting out of his home country for the first time, taking that step beyond... You know, he's putting himself in the position. Everything's kind of stacked against him. But yet, to me, 
he put on a performance and he landed more. CompuBox tells us he landed more, but yet he wasn't given the nod on this occasion. I mean, what did you see at the end of this fight? Did you see Adelian White that looks like he's coming towards the end of his career and a, a Franklin that we said last week don't sleep on? Or did you see something different? I mean, to me, what this fight was, Dillian White is, it's, he's never been a guy that he, what did he have? Like seven amateur fights, a ton of kickboxing, really hard. He's, people love his personality, but he's not a combination puncher and he's not really a thinker in the ring. He knows how to go to the body. He's never been a fast guy. Saw in this fight was he fought a solid world level fighter and he just didn't have those attributes that allowed him to compete against the highest level fighters. He didn't have a lot of those those traits that allowed him to compete with a Joseph Parker in this fight. And I think the world gets very dangerous for a guy like Dillian White if he's not able to have some of those attributes. He's looking at fighting Anthony Joshua next. That looks like it's the fight that's going to be put on the cards for him. Joshua's there ringside studying what was going on. So I think it's quite evident that fight is lined up next for the for the pair of them. Although Eddie Hearn is saying that they're both going to compete Pete in a fight before they face each other next summer so it looks like maybe there will be some tick over fights which you know these tick over fights can be more dangerous than the highly competitive fights so you know both of these guys are going to want to have this rematch with one another with more being at stake in the fight I just look at it and think Dillian White didn't put on a great performance is it just he wasn't motivated enough for it. I don't know what it is. I genuinely don't know what it is. It could be a combination of many things. And I suppose when he gets the next big fight, we'll get the answers to that question. If he fights AJ at the moment, looking on that performance, he's going to get steamrolled through, even though AJ is coming off the back of losing twice to Usyk and he needs a confidence-building fight as well. I think you've got two guys fighting each other here that are coming off mentally detaching losses like you know the, these are guys that have had really sort of they've overcome mental struggles throughout the boxing careers and I think they've got to a point here where the sort of morale of these two fighters must be starting to slowly wane as the careers are slowly winding down and I just can't see anything other than you know two guys in the ring that are probably past their best I mean they fought in 2015 that was when they was both coming up to sort of the though the biggest parts of their own careers arguably and then now they're going to fight potentially again in 2023 what's that eight years down the line nine years down the line and they're going to be nowhere near what they once was and they've had defeats on the record they've had difficult moments in the careers to me it's just another way of sort of saying the winner of this fight might get another shot at a title the loser of this fight essentially is completely done at world level and, and that's kind of how the i see this with these two fighters so i suppose what i'm looking for from you lukey is just your opinion on it like joshua against dillian white too is it just a battle of these two guys that are coming towards the end of their careers and the loser essentially walks away from the sport because they're done at world level i think you hit it on the head i think that the big thing right is I think Dillian White, it's it's easier to think of guys that can beat Dillian White in the top 25 of the heavyweight division than it is thinking of guys that he can beat. So I think that what this fight allows is he's kind of turning into the modern Derek Chisora where he, he sells a fight really well, 
but I don't know if the British fight fans are tuning in to see Dillian White win as much as the antics and knowing that he's going to be a character and that he's going to have a come forward pressure style. And I think this plays right into Joshua being able to land a spectacular knockout against a really famous UK fighter that could possibly get Joshua back in the mix, so to speak. That's the way I look at this fight. It's mad, really, because I think like back to 12 months ago and me and Johnson were covering an episode on the heavyweight scene and I think it was post Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury and their their third and final bout. And I think we were talking about like the top three guys at that moment in time and lo and behold it was Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua and Dillian White. That was the argument and the debate that we were having at the time. Fast forward 12 months and look how much of a difference there has been in the heavyweight division. Now you look at Tyson Fury, you know, arguably being number one, Usyk could be arguably number one, but either either way, them two are number one and number two, whichever way you put them. And then after that, who's the next best fighter? Well, it's probably going to be someone like Joe Joyce next for me. Like Dillian White, Anthony Joshua sort of slipped right down the pecking order, you know, into the back end of that top 10. And you've got fighters that have come to the forefront in this year that are certainly ready to completely step up to the mark. And it's like when I think of these two guys fighting, Joshua and White, I think of it like, you know, the the winner gets another shot, the loser kind of goes home, and that's the end of your, your major sort of world stage career. Having said that, like you just said, Derek Chisora, you know, he's getting a shot at the WBC title next weekend. Well undeserved, but just because of the fact that he's a ticket seller in the UK and he's, he's a mate of Fury's, he's going to get this big payday as a result of it. And it's going to be him walking off into the sunset, having dedicated, you know, some hard time to the sport. And my concern has always been with someone like Chisora is he's stuck around too long. What are the effects of being around too long going to be like in another 10-15 years and I suppose time will tell us how much him sticking around has really affected him physically as, as, as well as mentally so it will be an interesting sort of landscape to look at in 10-15 years time when a lot of these guys are completely said and done and it's a completely new generation of heavyweight fighters and then you look at the older guys and you think wow maybe they shouldn't have stuck around too long so you know I kind of see a few of these fighters like we're talking about certainly coming towards the the end of of their generation so to speak and it's kind of time now for for other guys to step up to the plate really but I just wanted to go back to the the actual decision that White got there was arguments that Franklin should have got the decision one judge scored it a draw two of them scored it for White personally I saw Franklin winning the fight that was my interpretation of it being objective in the matter and looking at the work that Franklin was doing in comparison to the lack of work that White was doing, I felt like it was a, I didn't feel it was a robbery as such, but I do feel it was a, a decision that didn't go the right way and, and any other given night should have really gone to Franklin. So did you have any thoughts on the back of the decision? I mean, I don't think it was a robbery. I think it was a pickpocket to quote my friend Lazy Lefty on Twitter. It was Franklin definitely kind of did the Jack Catterall where he like lost the last round where you're like, oof. I wish you didn't give up that last round because it felt like that was a deal breaker that last round. But I mean, if you were to look at who was the more spectacular fighter in this fight, you have to say it was Franklin. And I mean, everything leading into this fight, this was supposed to be a showcase for white. This is the heaviest Franklin's ever fought at in his career. This was, I don't even think this is the best version of Franklin and Franklin was much smaller 
than Dillian White and had a lot of success. So personally, I thought that Franklin was the more spectacular of the two. I didn't score it round by round. It was a close fight, but I was just so unimpressed with Dillian White that I felt like Franklin should have won the fight. And that's a fair assessment. I, I, again, I wouldn't say it was a robbery. I think it could have gone any other way, depending on what you liked in the fight. Personally, I thought Franklin did the better work overall, although Gillian White landed some more eye-catching shots throughout the course of the fight. I think the more busier fighter, the more aggressive fighter, the fighter that were throwing the combinations quite often was, was Franklin, and some of them landed on arms and gloves, and some of them did land, and his body work was impressive as well. So for me... You know, if I was if it was an official judge, I'd be looking at stuff like that as the parameters for scoring the fight. But I'm not, and I'm just a fan like everybody else. And I just saw it as I felt Franklin did the better work, and he should have won the fight. But what it did do for me is it, it rose Franklin's stock as a heavyweight fighter, and it certainly now will put him in the limelight for more opportunity because people may look at that and say well actually he's quite a small heavyweight there's an opportunity there for me to get involved in that someone like a Joe Joyce might in you know while he's waiting for this shot against Usyk might want to take a fight like that you know there's there's definitely the market out there for him now to get in some some interesting fights going forward and we were talking about it on the preview weren't we like we can't really sleep on him we said maybe he's being brought to the UK as a bit of a showcase for Dillian White but I said you know he, he's he's not a guy I think you should really be sleeping on and he, and he didn't and, and, you know he did well in the fight and he was I was impressed with him and I was unimpressed with White like you so it really is a case of who came out the better of the fight even though he didn't win it for me it was Jermaine Franklin so he probably comes out looking better than, than Dillian White and you know a lot of British fight fans were voicing their opinions on Twitter and you know they were calling him Dillian Shite and they weren't really impressed with his performance and, and there was people that were saying like he needs to just go now that's it he's going to get absolutely hammered by Anthony Joshua so I think people have certainly made their own mind up about what happens next in the career of Dillian White even if he was to pull off a, a little bit of an upset against Joshua but again as I, as I was saying and I'm rambling on a little bit I just think them two guys Joshua and White getting in the ring next summer it's like two guys that have had some absolute adverse moments throughout the boxing career and you know have come a little bit unhinged at times as well in in different moments and I think this is kind of two guys at the back end of the careers that uh, the loser like I said earlier goes home and doesn't get a world title shot the winner might get a world title shot and you know that's effectively what the stakes are going to be for this fight so it was interesting it was interesting to see the aftermath of, of how this kind of leaves people's impressions on them two particular fighters that competed and also throw Joshua into the mix. So yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. It wasn't the the greatest of fights, of course, but it was uh, interesting to see how things played out on the night. But a fight that was interesting, a fight that you summed up quite perfectly at the start of the show, was Jose Zapeda and Regis Progray. That was a good fight. That was a fight that I think it kind of exceeded my expectation. Did it exceed yours or was you expecting it to go down that way? I mean, I, I wrote this on manager of uh, Zapata's Instagram, Rick Morigian, and I, I said that was a true world-class fight. My only um, frustration with the fight was it was on pay-per-view for $60 in America, and I just don't think the fighters were famous enough where this is the type of fight that maybe would have made new fans for these fighters. Yet, unfortunately, because it was behind a paywall, I'm not sure if people saw it as much as they should have 
but this this felt like two world championship level elite fighters really putting it on the line fighting a very technical sound fight regis to me is one of these special fighters who's a rhythm fighter and once he finds his rhythm it's hard to get him out of his rhythm I enjoyed the fight, Luke. Yeah, I really did. I thought it was a great fight, and I totally agree with the paywall issue. I think, like, if that would have been free to air at the time, then people would have tuned into it more. The viewership probably would have been up more. Most people will have probably gone and streamed it or watched it the next day on some form of media outlet, and that's how they will have consumed it. But like you say... If that wouldn't have been an issue, as in the paywall for the fight, then maybe people would have tuned into it at the time. And rightly so, it would have introduced some some new eyes onto the sport and it would have put them two fighters in a better limelight now because really, like, unless you're really into the sport... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're not going to know who these two guys are are essentially there'll be two names in boxing to the casual fan but they're not going to transcend past that point of of the big name of the sport like the Canelo or the Tyson Fury or the Anthony Joshua or any fighter that has got to that upper echelon of the sport and and made himself so known or herself so known that you know it's just a name that comes on the lips even if you don't follow the sport these two guys are not that so that paywall certainly is detracted from getting more eyes on the sport. But I can't take nothing away from the fight, Lukey. The fight was great. Really enjoyed the fight. And I thought Regis Pagrai would win. And I did think he'd stop Jose Zepeda light. And lo and behold, I was actually correct with my prediction on this fight. Uh, near enough to the money as well, which is uh, always nice when you manage to predict a fight. Because it's uh, a very 50-50 affair, especially in boxing. Because someone can completely go awry and the opposite will happen most of the time to what you end up predicting so it was nice to actually see a fight unfold the way I actually anticipated it, the fight to unfold which was great so it just put Regis Pagrai back in a, a deserved position because really since he's lost to Josh Taylor 
for me, he hasn't done anything. He hasn't done anything significant. And now this is a significant moment because of the vacated title. He now becomes WBC title. So what options does Pagrai have available to him now? Well, I was reading this morning on BoxingScene.com, which that's probably two things people don't do, read and look at the news. And it says that because he fought for a vacant WBC title, the rules now state that he's forced to do two mandatory defenses. His first mandatory will be against Jose Ramirez. His second mandatory will be against the winner of Teofimo Lopez and Sandor Martin. So basically his 2023 is pretty much laid out barring someone not fighting him. But they're good fights though, aren't they for him? Like they are good fights. Like you can't really argue with the fights of Ramirez fight. It's a good fight for him. And obviously the winner of the Sander Martin fight as well. Is, is with the TFEMO as well is, is, a, is a great fight. I think these are two potential great fights for him, which by the end of the year, for me, if, if he was to win them two fights on, on paper, it would scrub away the last couple of years of his career in the sense that he's not been able to get back to the heights that he once was at a couple of years before where people were looking at him as, you know, a guy that, that was unbeatable. I thought when he fought Josh Taylor, it was a very, very close fight. And again, a fight that could have gone either way on the night there as well. So, you know, at that moment, he was considered, you know, arguably one of the most dangerous fighters in that division. And, and he managed to, you know, put a few more bums on seats and a few more fans' eyes on the sport with his performance against Josh Taylor. But since then, for me, he's just had some really random fights throughout his his last couple of years. And I think this was the one that was significant for him to put himself back on the map, to put himself back up there as a force in the super lightweight division. His performance was really good as well. I thought he very controlled and measured in what he did in the ring. And I can't take nothing away from Cepeda, but... I just couldn't really help but be in awe of, of what Regis brought to the ring that night. And he well-deserved his WBC title. And it just opens some, some fantastic doors for him. So, yeah, I, I was I was impressed. I, I thought it was a great fight. I really enjoyed the fight. I think it was, you know, highly entertaining. Probably the most entertaining one for me personally of the weekend. But there is some other fights I wanted to discuss with you as well, Lukey. But before we do, have you got any final word on the Zepeda versus Pagrai fight? I mean, I think Progray is honestly one of these guys that might be the, one of the best fighters in the world. And I think that just because he hasn't aligned himself with a powerful promoter or hasn't been shoved down our throat, people are really underestimating that he truly is a boxer who's extremely strong as well. And I think that we're looking at possibly a generational talent with him. That's what I was referring to when I said about the last couple of years. That's kind of what I was what I was getting at really with, with the last couple of years being quite quite strange in terms of his fight, especially when he fought Tyrone McKenna, who for me was leagues below him. Uh, and I was very surprised when he got that fight, to be honest with you. But fair play, he took his chance and, and Prograd has shown what a talent he was there as well. So yeah, let's move on then, Lukey, to... I'm going to dip around a little bit across the cards from the weekend and just pick out a few fights to talk about that I I enjoyed uh, and obviously I'd like to hear your thoughts and feelings on. So on the same card as Dillian White, Jermaine Franklin, we had a British heavyweight title fight with undefeated Fabio Wardley going in against Nathan Gorman, former British heavyweight champion himself. Now going into that fight, Fabio Wardley had been progressed through the levels quite well given his very limited amateur experience and Nathan Corman was really coming off the back of that loss to Dubai and 
trying to resurrect his career a little bit. And he just completely looked out of his depth against Fabio Wardley, who, you know, on paper, really, probably was the underdog. I don't know how people sort of perceived it going into it. But for me, Nathan Gorman had the experience. He had big fight experience as well. He had uh, levels of opposition experience compared to Wardley. But Wardley, he just blew straight through him. Yeah, he took a lot as well. He He got his split on the bridge of the nose in the fight. But... It was a really highly entertaining fight, and Fabio Wardley just bit down on his gum shield, and he kind of reminded me of like a little bit like Joe Joyce. He was just relentless in the fight; he wouldn't take a backward step, and he just completely overrun Nathan Gorman, who, to his credit, fired back and landed a few good shots. But you know, when you've got a guy coming at you who's just eating them punches up for fun and throwing back twice as hard. Mentally, it must be absolutely soul-destroying to be that guy on the receiving end. But Fabio Wardley, man, great performance. What are you making of that victory? But also, where does it now put him, you know, in, in terms of moving forward in his career? Because the heavyweight scene at the moment, regardless of his limited experience, he's like, for me, one win away from, like, pushing into that top 20, top 15 even. Kind of a cool story, too. Uh, wasn't he a white-collar boxer prior? Yeah. Yep, he was. So, I mean, that's kind of a neat story. I mean, I think he's getting into that dangerous ground of, okay, now you're going to fight the real guys. You know, I, I has he fought the David Allen, that guy, yet, no. Fabio? No, I mean, no. that's the kind of fights that I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him work his way to a Dubois fight. I'm not really sure I want to see him fight a world-level guy yet because I don't know if he can, but he's he's getting close to that point. Well, the biggest name on his record for me is is an over-the-hill Eric Molina last year. That would be arguably the biggest name on his record. I mean, to be fair, Molina's way past his best, way, way past his best, so far down the hill that it's untrue. However, it's still a name on his record. So he has that experience. He's fought another British domestic fighter in Nick Webb. Uh, he's also had fights with guys like Richard Latte, who British fighters will know from being brought over here to fight the likes of Daniel Dubois. Dave Allen, I'm not so sure, is is within the sport anymore. He retired and then he had a couple of sort of small fights on a couple of cards locally, but he doesn't seem like he's got the intention to return to the sport full time. So I think that's kind of out of the question a little bit for me with, with Fabio Wardley's next fights. But if I'm looking at his next fights, you know, in terms of the British fighters that are around at the moment, the only other guys that really are, are around at the moment, are the likes of a, a very sort of young into his career, Fraser Clark, Darren, Daniel Dubois, Derek Chisora, Dillian White, Joe Joyce, and Anthony Joshua. I mean, they're the they're the names that Box Rec in particular have floating around Fabio Wardley's name in the UK. And then if you look to the world rankings for Fabio Wardley, you look at sort of where they're putting him there. Then you start to get into the the the, the good names, the names that you want to see him fight. So you know they're putting him around people like Zeal Zhang, and they're putting him around Adam Quinaki, and they're putting him around Murat Gassiev and Robert Hellenius. They're the types of names that they're putting Fabio Wardley in and around that region. So, realistically, could he fight one of them guys, and could he be successful in doing so? I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. He's he's looking good. It's just like, it's hard to really 
believe in a fighter who doesn't have that deep amateur pedigree for me. I'm not saying that amateurs is the end all be all, but I do like to know that a fighter has that experience of getting those different looks and having to adjust on the fly. It feels like Fabio Wardley is a guy that I'd like to get 40 or 50 fights if possible before he fights like an Anthony Joshua. He has to have his amateur career as a professional if possible. I agree with that. I think that's the best way to progress someone on with limited experience. However, because he's blowing his opponents away, I wouldn't say with relative ease, but he's blowing his opponents away and it must be becoming more difficult to match him with guys. I think now if I'm looking at where his career goes, I'm looking at sort of fringe level world fighters maybe you know looking at in and around that region and, and looking at them types of guys to see how he gets on against them but it was a very entertaining fight it was one of my picks of the weekend in terms of entertainment value so there's a couple of other fights then that i wanted to discuss one included hamza sheraz versus river wilson bent a lot's being said about hamza sheraz in the uk and he completely again another fighter who just blew away his opponent river wilson bent was expected to take hamza sheraz the distance and he was stopped in two rounds by hamza sheraz and he's another fighter who who keeps developing his resume and he's fighting known names within the british side of this sport and i think now is the time for him to move forward to start then thinking about where does he go in this middleweight division. I mean, but again, I'm only looking at box rex rankings and they don't always really reflect the true reality of, of where boxing's at at the moment. But if I'm looking at them, the types of names that are floating around him UK-wise are the likes of Liam Williams and Denzel Bentley, who obviously just came off that loss to Ahmed Alayev. So, uh, for me, yeah, they're names for him. Uh, an age, Ryoto Murata, maybe. You know, there's, there's a few names potentially there for someone like a Hamza Sheraz to really then push his name forward and really get people thinking, you know what, this guy is the real deal. But for me, until I see him beat one of those names, I'm convinced so far, but I would be completely convinced in him when he gets a name like that on his record, a, a former world title challenger or champion, and he dispatches them in emphatic fashion. That's when I'll really jump on that hype train. What have you made of his career and what have you seen of Hamza Sheraz so far? It's exciting, you know, exciting young fighter. I'm looking at two names for the, the fight for him, uh, Ammo Williams and Felix Cash. You know, those are the names I have circled and I'm hoping that we see one of those fights next year. They would be two great fights. Great, great fights. I'd love to see them. I'd love to see them get in the ring and, and really then I think there'd be no doubt about where his career is going if he could beat one or both of those fighters. So exciting performance, another exciting win. Dennis McCann beat Joe Ham in eight rounds. That was another exciting good performance from him to keep stepping up them levels I enjoyed seeing him get the victory uh, but the anticlimactic moment of this particular card was Zach Parker breaking his right hand a metacarpal in his right hand and having to pull out against John Ryder when the fight was to me just about 
starting to heat up. And we talked a lot about this fight in the preview, about where the fighter who wins this fight goes after that. Now, Zach Park has been on social and people have actually ridiculed him because when he put a picture on, he didn't look like his hand had swollen or, or any sort of damage had been caused. However, he's put another picture on today and you can see there's, there's a lot of evident bruising on both sides of his hand where obviously he has broken a metacarpal and he's, he's chose to, to take himself out of the fight. Whereas some have, have sort of put this label on him, which is something that is a really heavy debate to be honest because some people will look at a fighter and go well they shouldn't have quit that fight fighters break the wrists or the hands or the fingers all the time and they carry on throughout the course of the fight but yeah Zach Parker made the decision to come out of the fight because maybe he wanted to save himself for another day and that's the problem people ridicule fighters like that for doing it so his performance he wasn't doing as good as what maybe I thought he would do I think John Ryder was winning the fight up till that but I'm more kind of interested in in that debate Luke is you know, when a fighter gets to a position where they feel they can't continue on with the fight and there's an injury that they sustained where they think, right, you know, I can't carry on, I'm, I'm going to save myself or the team saves them for another day. Is it right to be, is it right to be labelling them? Is it right to be labelling them quitters? No, but there's nothing right about boxing at all. Like, guys break their jaw and people call them cowards when most people, if they get their jaw broken, they cry and they go to a doctor. That's the human reaction. Uh, I think that the only thing I didn't like about this was the way his coaches didn't really protect the fighter. I think I, if I was coaching, I would have whispered to Zach and been like, you can't keep going, act like you want to go, and I'm going to make a big fuss and say your hand's broken and stop the fight. I would have had him do a little acting and act like, you know, I'm I'm trying to fight and then put the blame on the coach. That's what I would have liked to have seen. Well, it didn't work out that way, and he's put himself out on social media and tried to justify himself that way instead. But for me now, it just leads John Ryder in a brilliant position where, you know, that Canelo fight looks like it's possibly on the horizon, and I think that's going to happen. I think that'll happen next May, as we said in the preview to this show as well. So watch this space. Let's see if John Ryder gets his uh, gets his shot, and I think it's a deserved shot as well. I'm not going to begrudge him. He's earned his way into that position, regardless of maybe people think he's a limited fighter. I certainly think he's earned his way into a shot at a title, albeit if it is Canelo or whether Canelo decides to then vacate and John Ryder fights for the vacant full version of the title. Remains to be seen, but I'm happy for him. He's a genuine down-to-earth guy probably overachieving in his career at the moment, but you can't argue with a fighter who does that. So fair play to him. Uh, so that was another fight I wanted to mention. Uh, a little bit of an upset maybe in Dubai this weekend. Jamie Mitchell losing on points to Nina Hughes. Uh, Nina Hughes going into her fifth fight as a professional and only been a professional for a year and he's 40, 40 years old. And she's just become the WBA bantamweight champion. And I thought that was a pretty neat story. Missed the mute button. Um, yeah, it's a great story. Jamie Mitchell is someone that I've covered going back to beautiful brawlers number three when she was an amateur to see her become a world champion and travel the world's awesome. And Nina Hughes, to me, it's like her and Sky Nicholson, probably the two most exciting women's boxing prospects this year that have emerged. So I'm going to switch the attentions just because I'm conscious we've got a few more minutes left of time in our episode and I just wanted uh, to lean on you a little bit really just to get your summarisation of some of the fights on the undercard of Zepeda versus Pagrai. I know your man Charles Conwell got the victory uh, and Bakadir Jalalov got a KO in the fourth round as well. Ruben Torres lost over eight rounds via split decision as well. 
what did you make of the performances of those fighters? Any thoughts, feelings, and opinions on that? Well, I think also I'd like to bring up Fernando Vargas Jr. and Amato Vargas. Both had pretty solid performances. They both uh, really world-class showings. I think Conwell showed, had the type of fight that makes you a world champion in which you, he got cut, but he never got frazzled in the fight. He stuck to his game plan. He knows his identity. And, um, I mean, Jalalov is a guy that I think kind of has this mix of an amateur and pro style. I'm not sure how far it goes. But to me, it was Charles Conwell and uh, the Vargas brothers really stood out. Right. Final word then before I call time on this big fight reaction show. So we had a card on on a Sunday afternoon in the UK at the Ali Pali in London, which is a well-known place for darts in the UK. People know the Ali Pali quite well, Alexandra Palace. But it was nice to see some boxing on it on a Sunday afternoon here in the UK. And there was one fighter in particular that everybody's raving about in the UK, and that's Adam Azim. Now, he put away Ryland Charlton in two rounds. Albeit Ryland Charlton is kind of living off the fact that he beat a prospect in Joseph Laws. And for me, just seemed a little bit out of his depth. And Adam Azim goes into his seventh fight, absolutely blows him away in two rounds. And the world in the UK, I say the world, I say the UK are looking at him in a sense that, you know, this is a guy who's 20 years old, who's potentially, you know, the the next big Asian superstar in the sport. And I mean, he's getting championed by, by many former Asian fighters that are really looking for that next guy to come from the origins of, of, of that region of the world and to be able to, you know, celebrate how much of a performance these guys are putting on. I know, I think it's too early to say where he's at in his career at this moment personally, but he's been very active this year. I think another year like this next year with the level of opposition stepped up and we can seriously be talking about him as a huge prospect. Yeah, I mean, it, there's, it's always exciting. My big thing with young fighters is we can't anoint them. They got to earn the stuff. Because once you start putting these labels on things, Josh Kelly looked real good to me. And Josh Kelly lost to a great fighter named David Avanesian. And I never thought that would happen. So let's let these guys earn their way. And let's not, if they lose a fight, let's not condemn them either. So just rounding up that card then for the rest of the guys listening, Mikhail Lawal picked up the vacant British Cruiserweight title after David Jamison put on a valiant effort and in my eyes was winning the fight until he got a broken jaw in the eighth round. Fair play to both of the fighters. They put on a pretty good show in that fight and I think Jamison will come again. Uh, I think Lawal will move on. He goes to 17-0 now. Some big Cruiserweight fights on the horizon for him, especially domestically. But overall, it was a pretty good weekend for the sport. I enjoyed a lot of the fights that happened this weekend. Some good talking points, some good prospects. Too many to mention in this episode, but I'm pretty sure you guys listening will know exactly who we're referring to and and the guys that have been on this weekend. Uh, I'm just going to hand it over to you just before we go then, Luca. Any final thoughts from the boxing world this weekend? It's a good weekend. You know, good weekend. I hope everybody's staying safe and more good fights to come. And with that in mind, that is the end of this particular show. A big thank you to Luke, as always, for coming on the show. It's much appreciated. And big thank you to everybody listening, as always. You know where to find us on social at BTR Boxing Pod, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, and, of course, on TikTok as well. 
Finally, a shout out to the patrons of the podcast. Big shout out to you guys for supporting us, as you always do. The support is greatly appreciated. And if you've not already seen, we have just released your monthly patron episode boxing through the decades 1930 to 1939 myself and johnston go through a look at that decade most significant fights fighters events that occurred in that decade that affected the boxing world we cover it all if you've not heard any of our other content through boxing through the decades then please go and check us out on patreon.com forward slash btr boxing podcast you will find a range of membership tiers. If you become a member, you will be able to get access to Patreon-only content, which is probably about 16, 17 months' worth of Patreon-only content on there now, with our exclusive series being the, the, the most recent content that's on there. You'll also get early access to episodes. You'll get ad-free versions of all the episodes on the network as well. And when we do our series-based shows, like Career Profiles, Darker Side of Boxing, Legendary Nights, you always get early access to them, before anybody else if you want to go there and support us and if you're in a position to support us we'd greatly appreciate it but if you can't please just give us a share on social media the word of mouth is absolutely crucial to the work that we do and that is it fight fans thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll be back for another episode the big fight preview between Derek Chisora and Tyson Fury Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.